You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are a good, gracious, and glorious God. Your labor has not been in vain. What you have accomplished for us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has secured our salvation and has promised the renewal of all things. We pray now that for the next few moments as we reflect on how the gospel intersects with our work and how you call us as workers in the world, pray that you would guide and lead, inspire, direct, and empower us by the Holy Spirit that we might give our lives to you and to others for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So I don't know if you knew this, but Labor Day um, was not invented as a way to just, you know, signal the end of summer and to throw elaborate retail sales. Um, But it was actually established many, many years ago as a way to honor the goodness of work, hence Labor Day. So in 1894, um, Labor Day became a U.S. holiday, um, establishing, quote, a national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the strength and well-being of our country. So that's what we've done for all these years, celebrating Labor Day. And so what we've done here at Third for the last five or six years, we hope that we're talking about work as a central part of our life all the time, but in a a really special, uh, intense way on this Labor Day Sunday, we try to focus on this theme of faith and work because the truth is, that historically, the Christian church has done a really good job of equipping Christians for sort of the spiritual and personal parts of their lives, whether it's their prayer life or their own personal life with God, um, how to know and study the Bible and, and walk with, with God in your personal life, which is a great thing, right? The church has done that sometimes well. But often what the church has not done well is equip you in the public parts of your life in your work and labor in the world. The truth is you do not live in a church building. You do not live um, in a little cave having a quiet time with God. You live out much of your life in the workplace or the classroom or the factory or with children in your home. Um, That's where you're called to live out the Christian life. And so we want as a church to do a better job of equipping you as workers in the world to see that as the primary calling and ministry in your life is to partner with God through your work in the renewal that he's doing of all things. So um, I want to bring up two of my friends today, Steve and Adrian. They're going to come up and we're going to do a little interview with them today. Um, and not because they're, I mean, they would be the first to tell you that they're not experts, but because they are both um, people who are working really hard to try to integrate their faith in Jesus Christ with the work that they do every day. So um, maybe you guys can just start by telling us a little bit about what you do and how you came to do what you do. Yeah, Adrian, you wanna start? Sure. Um, so I started my career in wealth management um, right after college and got recruited to Capital One and spent some years there and then went into consulting. Um, and then in the last, um, for about six years, I've been um, at U-Turn, um, which is a 501c3. 
Um, Can you tell us about what U-Turn does? Sure, yeah. So U-Turn historically has been an organization, 501c3, that has mentored youth and young adults through the vehicle of sports. And so more recently, we have gone into capacity building for nonprofits. So we run an accelerator and an incubator and help nonprofits um, move forward and thrive and become better organizations. Sounds awesome. Steve? Yeah. I work at a credit card company, so always fun to follow Adrian. Um, I work at Capital One. I've been there for three years. I work in the part of the organization where if you call in to Capital One and you want to talk to someone, um, the systems that those 20,000 agents use across the world are the things that my team's built. So we call it our, our servicing applications. Um, yeah, been there for three years. Awesome. And before that, you were at CapTech, is that right? Yeah, so I started out, I did uh, some consulting after college, and then we actually lived overseas in East Africa as missionaries for a year in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And then I was a management consultant for nine years leading up to Capital Okay, One. great. Um, you know, I think we talk a lot in, as Christians about calling, like we say so-and-so so was called to the ministry, um, which, is, which is great. I mean, um, pastors and missionaries are called, but I also think it's really important that you know that you're called to whatever work it is that you do every day. So um, each of you have been called to your work. How have you sensed that calling in your life? I'll go first because mine's a little brief. Um, I've always sensed that the Lord has called me into my next position or career. And so I say that humbly because sometimes it's been a closed door or an open door. Um, but, you know, I know that's a unique experience for me, but I've always felt that the Lord has kind of gracefully guided me into the next role. And that's even um, with U-Turn, you know, gracefully guided me into that, that position. Yeah. What about you, Steve? All right. So yeah, counterpoint. I have not felt a really explicit calling about, like, go, go work for this specific company or this specific corporation. Um, I think what, what animates a lot of the decisions is seeking counsel from friends um, and just, like, what, what sounds exciting and good. And so we, we did some, you know, I, I worked at a consulting company uh, after college. Then we actually, when we were missionaries, um, that's probably when we, and this is going to sound strange, probably felt our strongest calling to go into the to the business world, actually. Um, and what we found was the most dignifying and ways to actually serve our neighbors um, in that particular concept was to create a place where people could get jobs, where they could provide for themselves and their families. Um, and so we actually, when we were working in a nonprofit in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, got really excited about coming back to the States um, and working for a for-profit corporation um, in a place that does good work for things that people value that allows more and more people to live by the labor of their hands. Mm. Um, and so after that, it was just kind of which companies sounded fun and jumped in from there. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I think it would be a big miss if we're talking about work and not think about the last two years <laughs> that the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, has really turned work upside down and has created challenges for all of us. So where have you guys experienced the greatest challenges or how has it changed your work in some ways? Adrian, we were talking about this earlier, how it's changed the number of, the, the scope of your responsibilities. In yeah, some ways. absolutely, yeah. I mean, for us um, as an organization, you know, we operate out of a 160,000 square foot building and we have programs and activities primarily. So you can imagine that affected the way that we operated and um, the way that our employees operated. But what I noticed, um, even after the pandemic, and even more after the pandemic, was depression and anxiety, and this just feeling of instability um, came out. And so for 
for us, I felt this burden because folks were kind of leaving the church or they weren't in counseling, um, that they were relying on us as an employer as the only stable, anchored thing that was consistent in their life. And that's still even kind of today. And so for, for me, I saw a unique position. And for us who are leaders in the organization is a unique position for us to then lean into that and say, um, not to become their counselor, <laughs> not to try to find the solution, but to say, um, to be a lot more transparent about what, where our hope comes from. And to be honest, you know, as a CEO, it's hard to be transparent sometimes. And so I felt this calling to say, it's okay for me to say, I'm, I'm not doing okay, or I'm unsure about what's going to happen next. Um, and this is where I'm getting my hope and stability from. Um, and that's from Jesus. And um, so, yeah, that's been unique for us that, you know, folks are looking for that a little bit more. Yeah, probably not talking about mental health as a right. CEO, but suddenly you find yourself having to attend to those things. Yeah. What about absolutely. you, Steve? What some of the challenges? Yeah. So similar observations around just a, a general rise of anxiety and probably depression. I think especially for those who don't live in a place where there's a lot of other people. So like a lot of folks, mid twenties, single after college, like really hard to be at home staring at Zoom all day. Um, Two other things that, we've, that we kind of see which, which are interesting is that I think it's the kind of scope creep from becoming um, more less of a single corporation, more of a civic institution. And by that, I mean, we're at, and very similar to what, to what Adrian said, we're asked at work now to start to address social and societal and cultural issues, like very explicitly, like as a manager, it is your job to bring up these things in discussion and see how people are processing it. And it's an interesting time to do that because as a, as a Bible-believing Christian, sometimes even just saying that, that, that has hostile or negative connotations. But on the flip side, I'm having like more meaningful conversations. Like, people are hungry. They're not talking about this other places. They're, the, the areas where people go to to have conversations like this is shrinking. Um, and so they're, they're hungry to have these conversations at work. And so um, it's exciting to have more meaningful and substantive, like, not just about work, but about your life and about who you are and what you love and what motivates you. Like those are coming up more and more. So building on that, this is a similar tying into what you were just saying. At, working at a big secular corporation as a follower of Christ, I'm sure that that just creates conflict and tensions. Can you speak to any of those? That yeah, yeah. With? So, I mean, I think as much as dialogue is encouraged to kind of talk about what we, we say all the time, like what are, what are people bringing into work? There is um, very much like, a, like an implicit, sometimes actually explicit, like orthodoxy, but like it's not really an exploration of what people are feeling. It's like we want to affirm like these specific beliefs. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's figuring out how to champion those things that align with scripture and figuring out how to graciously interact with those that don't. And I know I'm not using like any proper nouns, but like think about like any like touch, like flashpoint cultural issue over the last like two years. Um, you know, how do you address that in a gracious way that allows people who, who need to process it, like a space to do that, while also trying to be a beacon for truth? Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just like a huge change over the last Super 10 years. Yeah. What about what, what challenges for you, Adrian? Yeah, for us, I think um, as a faith-based organization, I think the misconception is, is that, in, and though we're blessed to be able to talk about our faith and our values and those be rooted in scripture, 
I think there is a danger that we can sometimes become God for folks or become the church or become the only community. And so the tension for us is to not do that and to truly be a parachurch and invite folks um, into community, but guide them back to sustainable community, which is near their church family. Um, I said this before that a friend was like, hey, you know, when we call our coworkers family, it is a little bit awkward because you don't lay off family. <laughs> um, and sometimes you do, <laughs> sometimes you do. Um, but it's, it's, you know, those things are reality of, of organizations. And so it's like, we have to, we have to present sustainable community yeah. for folks. Yeah. yeah. So, so one, one last question for you guys. We often say around here, we're called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. And for most of us in this room, other than people like me and Ed who are professional Christians, um, uh, joining God in the renewal of all things will often mean your work, you know, the, the things that you do in the world, using your hands in labor. So how do you see what you do every day as part of God's work of rede- redeeming and renewing the, the world? Yeah. I can kick off that one. Um, so let me, let me kind of start personal and then move uh, more broad. So, you know, one of the things I feel blessed that I have the opportunity to do at work, and again, like coming from, even comparing it when, when I was like an, an, an actual missionary is... I am confronted with people who are much different than me, who have much different viewpoints, who come from much different backgrounds, have different stories. Again, like the, the places where that typically happens like are shrinking. We, we choose our tribe more and more and more. And I think it's a blessing to be at a place where you can be confronted with those things and humbly try to share the gospel in whatever way, shape, or form that actually makes sense. I also think um, this, this is a strange, I never would have guessed this, but in corporate America, like I'm, I'm confronted every day with, with my pride, with selfishness, with vanity, like with, with like overzealous ambition. Um, I, I enjoy the fact that like those things can happen and I can talk to my friends about it. I can talk to my wife about it. And like, it's, it just seems like a, a crucible oftentimes for like pride in my life to be looked at in a lens of, you know, it's, it's good to get promoted, but it can very easily become an idol. And like, how do you, how do you kind of see that? Um, let me like zoom out a little bit. Um, I also see the redeeming aspect of work, I think more, more fundamentally. And again, I think in America, especially now when the unemployment rate is just so low, it's, it's hard to imagine how hopeless situations can be when you can't find a job that is dignifying, that allows for you to provide for yourself and your family. And, um, you know, outside of my company could take directions I don't agree with, or I could have a bad manager, but like fundamentally, if you do your job really well, it is, it is a generative act. It allows you to create opportunities for more people. Um, and that is like, and by that, I mean like more people to get more jobs. And um, we don't use that language much in America, but it is incredibly valuable. And, and it's one of the things that, like, you know, when frustrations are running pretty high. You can kind of, like, cling back to, like, be excellent at this. It creates potential for people to live by the work of their hands, um, regardless of all the other things going well. Like, be excellent at your job every day. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, I'm... I never thought that I would be in a position where I had agency over an organization and a big grouping of people um, or even a large asset that we own. And so I think the challenge for me and I think the challenge for others is that if you have that position, you know, I can go before the Lord and say, what do you want me to do with this organization? How do you want me to lead this organization? Um, What do you want the impact to be? Um, And even when it comes to the asset 
um, that I am a steward over. You know, what do you want this asset to be used for and how do you want it to be used? And so um, that's unique. And I think for us who have that um, agency, um, that's, the, that's the way that it can be redeeming yeah. and redemptive. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, there's, there's a lot of us in this room who have a lot of influence and agency in our fields and challenging us to make sure we're using that yeah. for the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah. Well, let me, let me pray for them. Um, God, we're so grateful for these two and the ways that they work and wrestle to integrate their faith with their work, both in the nonprofit and for-profit sectors. Um, we pray that we would follow their lead and follow their example and being reflective about the way that we can follow Jesus, how we can integrate our faith into the challenging decisions, the way that we treat people, even the way that the work itself is partnering in job creation and renewing the city, using our influence um, for the benefit of others, especially the most vulnerable in our city and our community. So we're grateful for each of them and pray that you would bless the work of their hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we just thank them together? for? <laughs> oh, okay, great. Yeah. Well, um, don't worry. I'm not going to like preach a sermon now or anything. Um, but I do want to read a piece of scripture with you and just reflect for a few minutes on it. Um, so um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 26, if you want to open your Bibles there, or just listen. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 30. This is at the Last Supper. It says this, Now as Jesus and his disciples were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So listen to what Jesus did, that first sentence. It says, He took... He took bread, here's some bread, actually Tracy Meadows made this bread with the work of her own hands today. So it says Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it. Taken, blessed, broken, given. Just want to reflect with you a few moments on those four words, those four actions. When Jesus is doing those four things, he's not just doing them with the bread, he's doing them with his own self, his own body. These actions describe the work of Jesus. Jesus first is taken, he's claimed as the only true begotten son of God, the one through whom God made all things. He is claimed uh, as the slain lamb before the foundations of the world. Jesus is taken by the Father for this unique calling. Taken. Jesus is taken, claimed. Not only that, he is blessed at his baptism. The Father spoke, the Spirit descended. The Father said, this is my Son, in him I am well pleased. Jesus took that, that blessing of the Father's voice with him wherever he went. That's how he did what he did, how he faced what he faced. He carried the voice of the blessing of the Father with him. He is taken, he is blessed. And then, of course, Jesus was broken. He willingly 
walked into the most God-forsaken suffering for us. He suffered, he was tortured, he was crucified, murdered, and executed, killed, buried. Jesus endured the most horrific suffering, abandonment, and death. But he did it not purposely, he did it to be given. Because of his broken body, he is given for the sake of the world. He is given as a sacrifice for my sin and yours. He is given as a gift of life for all people and all creation. This describes the work of Jesus. He is taken, he is blessed, he is broken, and he is given. That's what we experience at this table, Jesus given for us. But here's, here's what's so cool about this, brothers and sisters, is that as we come to this table today and as we feed on the grace of Jesus by faith in our hearts, now through Jesus and through the gift of the Spirit, we too can become those who are taken, broken, blessed, and given for the sake of the world. Jesus takes us. We are claimed by God in Christ. We say at every baptism, we, we look at the child and, and we say, child, you are marked by God, claimed as a covenant child, given the sign of the Spirit. This is who we are. Underneath, you're performing and you're succeeding and you're working and you're striving. The deeper identity of your life, the deepest foundation of your identity is that you are claimed by God in Christ as the beloved. You are taken, you are claimed. Not only that, you are blessed. You are blessed by God. Um, each of us is known and made by God. You were known by God even before you were conceived. You were carried in the heart of God. You are blessed. You have infinite value in God. You have talents and abilities and aptitudes and spiritual gifts and callings that God has given that are only unique to you. And there are ways that only you can bring impact and bring value to the world in a way that only you can contribute. You're not just claimed by God, but you are blessed by God. But you're also broken. You have sinned. You're a sinner. You have been sinned against. You carry wounds and scars. You have suffered. You have suffered in unique ways that only you can suffer. We've been frustrated. Life is often overwhelming. Regularly, our dreams are shattered. And yet, in and through Christ, as we bring our, our brokenness under the grace of, of Jesus, he transforms our suffering into something redemptive. Just as Jesus' suffering is transformed by the resurrection, so your brokenness is changed by God into something redemptive and beautiful. God takes it and conforms us to Christ. He uses our brokenness to make us more the people he wants us to be. His power is made perfect in our weakness. We are taken, we are blessed, we are broken, and finally, we are given. All of this is so that in your family, in your classroom, in our neighborhoods, in our offices and boardroom and work sites and at the changing tables, we can be given for the sake of the world. It is only just as the bread can only be given once it is broken. And just as Christ can only be given after he is broken, so you too can only be given after you've been broken and then received the gift of God's mercy, grace, and kindness to you so that now he delights in using you as his gift to the world, working in and through you to do the work that he wants to do with you. One of my favorite authors that 
meditates often on these four words is Henry Nouwen. And this is what he says. I'll just say this to close. He says, we may be little insignificant servants in the eyes of a world motivated by efficiency, control, and success. But when we realize that God has chosen us, taken us from all eternity, sent us into the world as the blessed ones, handed us over to suffering, can't we then also trust that our little lives will multiply themselves and be able to fulfill the needs of countless people? This is what God does in and through us. We are taken, blessed, broken, given. This is who Jesus is for us, and this is now through Jesus who we can be for others and for the world. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has been taken, blessed, and broken, given for us. As we come now to this table to receive his grace, may you use us in the same way that we might be blessed and broken and given for the sake of the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.